of heights to the depths of the sea. Notice for Manasseh, verse 3, he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah's father had destroyed, and he raised up altars for Baal and made a wooden image. This wooden image is Asherah. It's a female Canaanite goddess of fertility. It's basically a big pole. And they, he made this wooden image as Ahab, king of Israel, had done. All exclaiming Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Manasseh opposed the reforms of his father Hezekiah, and he brought Judah back into terrible idolatry. Manasseh did not want to imitate his godly father. Instead, he imitated one of the very worst kings of Israel, his grandfather, Ahab. He embraced the same state-sponsored worship of Baal and Asherah, honored with a wooden image that marked the reign of Ahab. This shows us that repentance, reform, and revival are not permanent standing conditions. What is accomplished at one time can be opposed and turned back at another time. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, Already in Progress. Other people, good people, getting hurt by evil people. And it hurts us, doesn't it? When you see something like that, you're like, God, if you're really out there, why do you allow this? And it's a hard pill. I won't lie to you. Many people are turned off to the character of God because he allows evil. He allows it for a season. Unfortunately, this season is pretty long. But to him, it's not so long. But we have a choice to make. I can either be good and follow him, or I can be evil. And God allows man to do what he... And there's consequences for those actions. So again, Manasseh, was part, he was the only king who started off completely evil, and we're, as we're going to see later in Chronicles, that he turned and repented later on in his reign. And because this repentance, uh, certainly we're going to see it shortly, that he's going to endure some difficulties. And it could be that he repented because of the undesirable things that were happening in his life, because he was led away by the king of Assyria through rings that he had in his nose that they were leading him out of Jerusalem into Babylon. Him. I don't, the Bible doesn't say about anybody else, but this king and a, and a bunch of other kings were summoned to Babylon, and he was one of them. And he would go there, not of his own volition, but they would lead him through his nose. And perhaps also because of his, you know, his godly father. Did was there something in, in his life after and it was seemed to be after this being led away into Babylon for a short season, okay? 
That alone did it for him. But I can't help but wonder if while he was in Babylon for a short time, if he remembered what his father Hezekiah had said to him, if he remembered the reign of his father, if he remembered those good times and thought to himself, man, I am missing everything. I've messed everything up, and now i got the judgment of God upon me. So perhaps it was both of those things. Again, Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child. And the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I believe this was probably the prayer of Hezekiah before his son was even born. Or maybe while his child was growing up. Maybe he was praying to God, saying, God, let my son be a good man. Save his soul, Lord. Do something in his life. And then, and then to have his son run amok. And then after his death, Hezekiah's death, it's too bad he didn't see it. I'm sure maybe the Lord showed him somehow, you know. But Manasseh turned around. So Manasseh, it tells us, um, we know this through history, that Manasseh was vice-regent with his father Hezekiah. Remember, Hezekiah had become deathly ill. And for about 11 years, from 697 to 686 B.C., Manasseh was vice-regent. He was... He was uh, uh, he served in a lesser role than his father, but he was there and uh, in a lesser role as, as, as a king or as a, like a vice president, if you will. But then after his father died, he went on to rule for another 44 years from 686 to 642 B.C., a total of 55 years. 55 years. And notice in verse 2 that he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all the abominations of the nations, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Now remember again the reason that God had removed the Canaanites from the land. Remember Israel was in uh, Egypt for 430 years. And God finally brings them out. They wander around in the desert for 40 years when it should have taken them only two and a half weeks, if that, to get to the promised land. But God was proving them in the desert. And then finally when he brought them in, right before he brought them into the promised land, God speaks to Moses and he tells him in Deuteronomy 7, verses 1 through 4, the Lord speaks to them before they cross over the Jordan into the promised land. He says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, and he lists these seven nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. Does that sound like the same God we're serving? It's okay to nod your head. It's not very popular to nod your head. Yes, he's a God of grace and he's a God of justice as well. And why did he cause them to, 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 to wipe out those people? They had hundreds of years to repent of their sin. Notice what it says. It goes on. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor shall you take their daughter for your son. Why? Here's the reason. For they shall turn your sons from following me to serve other gods. And so the anger of the Lord will be roused, aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. So that's the reason, because they were so wholly given over to idolatry. God says they have to be destroyed. My, there's a time when the judgment has to begin. 
And God was going to use his own people, yes, the Israelites, to be the hammer of God's correction and, and judgment upon these seven nations in the, in the land of Canaan to destroy them because of their wickedness. And God is justified. In Deuteronomy 18, it goes on and it says, When you come into the land, this is verse 9 of Deuteronomy 18, When you come into the land, God says, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. They would actually do postpartum abortion. After the child was delivered, they would put him into the hand of a molten image of Molech, and they would heat that thing up to where it was red hot, and the baby, they put the baby right in the arms of the thing, and it would literally fry. And this is how they would worship Molech. And it was something that was so detestable to God. Detestable. So anyone who does that, or practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up, up the dead, for all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, notice this, very important, because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. Before these nations which you will possess, dispossess, excuse me, listened to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. And so that is why God called them to, to do that. But now... Manasseh is returning them to these abominations. And he was so guilty of these things, he was doing the very same things now that even the pagan, the, 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 the Gentiles were doing. And he even excelled above them. And can you imagine the heart of God? I've created you for a purpose and you do this. And he allows them to continue because it's his will. It's man's will. See, we have this wonderful thing called the will. We have a will to either obey God or disobey God. And do you know how it breaks the heart of God when you see someone that he has made completely abandon him and go their own direction to their own destruction? And the Bible says that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. But there is a choice. And all around us in America today, people are making choices. What choice are you making tonight? You're here, so you've made a good choice. Because you wouldn't be here unless you had value of the Word of God. You probably wouldn't be here unless the Spirit of God was in you. You probably wouldn't be here unless you felt something was drawing you here. But there are millions of people in our country right now that have no, no clue at all. What you and I know. And it's so important for us to tell them. To tell them the truth. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Right? We got to tell them the truth. But do it in love. There's the catch. There's the catch, Christians. Tell them the truth, but don't come at them in anger. Tell them the truth, but do it in love. Is it possible? Yes, it is. It's possible to tell somebody a truth that's going to wipe them right out, but you do it in love. 
You don't have to raise your voice. You don't have to get mad. You don't have to win the argument. Be, get that out of your head. Don't try to win the argument. Just simply tell the truth and let God do the rest because he does a much better job. Thank you very much. He does a much better job than I do. Notice for Manasseh, verse 3, he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah's father had destroyed and he raised up altars for Baal and made a wooden image. This wooden image is Asherah. It's a female Canaanite goddess of fertility. It's basically a big pole. And he made this wooden image as Ahab, king of Israel, had done. So he's learning from his grandfather. And he also worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. These are the gods of the Assyrians. So he practiced astrology. Notice I didn't say astronomy. Astronomy is just the study of the constellations. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, if you study, hopefully you're going to come away a believer because you're going to realize that there's order in the universe. There's someone who made that order, and we know who he is. It's God Almighty. But there are people who study astrology where they try to divine certain things and actions and things that are going to happen in your life. They're called horoscopes. That's really what astrology is. Today you're going to get run over by a car. But tomorrow, all the money that you had is going to go toward a, a, a relative. Or, you know, or you're going to come across $5,000 today. You know, the moon is in the south, and therefore you're, you're going to have a, a blessing today. You know, I mean, come on. That's astrology, and this is what he did. And why did he worship these gods of the Assyrians? Perhaps because he was aware of the tension between Judah and Assyria. He saw that with his father, Hezekiah, as Sennacherib came against him, even though he didn't prevail. But was he aware of how Assyria tried to come up against Judah under his father's reign and how God delivered them? But perhaps he thought that by worshiping their gods, that he might somehow stave off the Assyrians. We don't really know the motive. If you think your enemy is stronger than you are and you're really frightened of your enemy, there's a temptation to serve the same God that, that, they, that they serve, hoping that somehow God will be, you know, if you're not solidly in Christ, you're going to be tempted to do anything. In fact, it's been said that if you don't give your heart to Christ, you'll fall for everything else. You'll try this, you'll try that. I tried that, I tried that, I tried that. Nothing satisfies. Listen, there's one-stop shopping. Come to Christ. And you'll never have to look anywhere else again. I tried that and I did that. Well, you didn't try hard enough. You didn't give God an opportunity to work in your life. I mean, some people do that. They they think God is like this rabbit's foot in their pocket, you know, where I'll you know, God, I'll believe in you if you know if you do this. And sometimes God comes through and stuff like that. But most of the time he's not gonna play that game with you. If you're really God, you're gonna make a cheeseburger fall out of the sky. You know, we set God up for these ridiculous things. And if he does cause a cheeseburger to fall out of the sky, make sure I'm standing next to you because I'm going to open and grab it for you and grab it from you and run. Okay? But people expect that of God. He also built altars, verse 4, in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem... I will put my name there, yes, in Jerusalem. Deuteronomy tells us in chapter 12 that these are the statutes and the judgments which you shall be careful to observe and the land which the Lord your God 
of your fathers has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. Does that sound familiar? Because now Manasseh is rebuilding those things, but God is saying, don't do, don't worship me in any of those places and you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, burn their wooden images which is what Hezekiah did. And you shall cut down the carved images of their gods, destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all the tribes to put his name for his dwelling place. And there you shall go. And what is the name of that city? Jerusalem, right? Nowhere else, not on other, other high hills surrounding Jerusalem, no, under no green trees were they to worship. No, it was going to be in Jerusalem. There was going to be one altar in the temple or in the tabernacle, one altar, and there they ought to worship. Very simple. When God wants to tell us how to worship him, we, we better listen and not think outside the box and go, well, this is the 21st century. You know, God is a hip kind of guy. No, he wants to be worshipped in, in a right way. And it's not up to us to say, well, I'm going to worship the Lord with dancing with snakes. Well, go for it. If you get bit, you know, hope somebody's got the end of venom next to you. Why would you do that? Why would you worship with snakes? And there's people in Florida and Alabama who, you know, they have services where they hand out venomous snakes. Do you know that? It's crazy. And they tempt God and they call it worship. It's not worship. It's stupidity. (laughs) It's stupidity. For he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he also made his son pass through the fire. He practiced soothsaying. He used witchcraft, consulted spiritists and mediums. He went down to Key West and got his palm read. I mean, these are the kinds of things that are happening in Manasseh's life. And he did much evil in the sight of the Lord. Notice, to provoke him to anger. Yes, do you know you can provoke God to anger? After all that he's done for us? When he made his son pass through the fire, what he literally did is he sacrificed his son to the false god Molech. And Manasseh did just what his grandfather Ahaz did. In Second Chronicles 28, it tells us, speaking concerning Ahaz. Let me just read this to you briefly. For Ahaz, his grandfather, Manasseh's grandfather, did this too. For he walked in the ways of the king of Israel, made molded images for the Baals. He burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and burned his children in the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So, This role of a grandfather or a grandmother is a great one. He didn't learn it from Hezekiah, his dad, but his grandfather. And today, America is guilty of the same crime. I know I don't need to tell you this, but for the most part, you know, these, you know, um, a child today is killed in the womb. Before it's born. But in Manasseh's day, they did it postpartum, as I shared with you earlier. 
And there are even some states in our country right now that are passing laws, and laws are on the books to be passed, to allow up to 23 days or something like that after a child has been born to murder the child. Can you believe that nonsense? I mean, honestly, where, where are the hearts and minds of these people? They are so evil. Yes, they are evil. And if they don't repent of their sin, they're going to go straight to hell. Well, tell me what you really mean, Pastor Rob. No, that's the truth. If they don't repent of their sin, this is beyond lunacy, what we're seeing in our country today. And every Christian should not be happy about it. They should be calling their representatives and saying, we don't want any part of this in any state, much less our own. Pray. Pray about it, okay? We've got to pray. It's horrible. I would encourage you, time doesn't permit us to do it, but look at Leviticus chapter 20, verse 1 through 6, because it talks about this whole idea of, of Molech and, and, and the things that they did. Uh, again, uh, Leviticus chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. But let's go on to verse 7 now. So he even set a carved image of Asherah. Remember the Canaanite female goddess, the goddess of fertility. He created this carved image that he had made in the house of which the Lord had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name there forever and will not make the feet of Israel wander any more from the land which I gave to their fathers. And here's the... the um, Only if, only if they are careful to do according to all that I commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. And I'd have you write a couple other things. In in 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, verses 5 through 11, we have what's known as the Davidic covenant where God makes a covenant to David and basically tells him that from his seed there would be an everlasting covenant uh, everlasting kingdom, and he would have an everlasting house, David would. And obviously it's speaking all the way down through Jesus Christ, who was of the root of David, was of the tribe of, of Judah. And then later on in First Kings chapter 8, when Solomon, after he had built the temple, after David had passed from the scene, his son Solomon built this temple. And what does it tell us? It says that... Um, that, that Solomon had, uh, had prayed to God. He dedicated the temple. I'd encourage you to read 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 14 through 21. And what we just read here in the last couple of verses in 7 and 8, you can read those two uh, passages and get an idea where they came from. They came from that Davidic covenant and also Solomon's prayer and dedication for the temple. It speaks all about that about how God had created this place for them to worship. And they weren't to do those other things. But notice in verse 9, it says, But they paid no attention, and Manasseh seduced. And, and notice the term there, he seduced them. It literally means he, he designate or pointed out. That's literally what the word means. So they paid no attention, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And so there is a cost to ignorance and rebellion, isn't there? There's a cost. 
and they are going to pay the price. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.